We have some breaking news from Fulton County, Georgia, where District Attorney Fonnie Willis, who's spearheading the Georgia election subversion case against former President Donald Trump, has now filed a written response to an attempt to have her disqualified. CNN's Zach Cohen is joining us now. So, Zach, uh, here, Fonnie Willis is responding to this attempt to have her disqualified over allegations that she has had an inappropriate relationship with the top prosecutor, one of the top prosecutors that she hired to take on this case. Walk us through her response. Yeah, Boris, we're, we just got this ruling or this motion um, minutes ago, and, you know, Fonnie Willis, in her opposition to this disqualification effort, calls the allegations salacious and acknowledges that they garnered a lot of media attention over the last couple of days, but she goes into point by point rebutting the legal arguments for why she should not be disqualified, and I'm going to go through a few of them. She says, District Attorney Willis has no financial conflict of interest that constitutes a legal basis for disqualification. She says um, there is no personal conflict or interest of, of interest that justifies her disqualification personally or that of the Fulton County District Attorney's Office. She says the attacks on Special Prosecutor Nathan Wade, that's who she's alleged to have had an affair with, um, the attacks on his qualifications are factually inaccurate, unsupported, and malicious, in addition to pro providing no basis whatsoever to dismiss the indictment or disqualify Special Prosecutor Wade. It goes on to say that she has made no public statements that warrant disqualification or judicial inquiry, and that the criticism of the process utilized to appoint and compensate the special prosecutors in this case demonstrates basic misunderstandings um, of rudimentary county and state regulations and provides no basis for the dismissal of the indictment or disqualification of any members of the prosecution team. So obviously she is, again, point by point, um, disputing the legal arguments that were raised by Trump's lead attorney, Steve Sadow, and the attorneys for two other of Trump's co-defendants in this Georgia case. We're still obviously going through this motion, but it's clear Fonnie Willis says, no, there is no legal basis for me to be disqualified from this case or for the indictment itself to be thrown out. And she and the uh, defendant's team are due in front of a judge on February 15th to make this argument in person. We know you'll be watching that alongside us. Zach Cohen, thanks so much for the reporting. Uh, in less than one week, the Supreme Court is going to hear arguments on whether or not Donald Trump can stay on the ballot in Colorado. His legal team is preparing their strategy. The case was kicked to the high court after Colorado determined Trump should not be allowed to run for office again because of his role in the January 6th insurrection. A similar ruling was reached in Maine. CNN's Joan Biskupic joins us this morning to share her new reporting. Um, Joan, as you're looking at this, what are you, you now learning about how attorneys on both sides of this case are preparing to argue this case, which is a hugely impactful case. This is about the president. This is about his ability to, to run uh, in two states. I mean, it couldn't get bigger, really. No, no, Sarah, and it's six days and counting. You know, as you said, consider the stakes. It could determine who is the next president of the United States, at least who ends up on the ballot, and consider the pressure. And we've got two relatively inexperienced lawyers before these justices. One lawyer, Jason Murray, representing the Colorado voters who do not want Trump on the ballot, has never argued before the justices. He has other strengths that we'll get to, but he's never appeared at the lectern there. Jonathan Mitchell, who will be appearing on behalf of Donald Trump, 
has argued a, a handful of times before the justices, but nothing like this kind of case. So how are they getting ready? They're both, as of today, moving their operations to Washington, D.C., and tapping into a very sophisticated network of lawyers who've argued many times before the justices and can help channel the justices. One of the main devices they will use are something, these dry runs called moot courts. And that's where about four or five lawyers, not, not nine as in the real venue, four or five lawyers sit up on a, a, a mock bench or at a table and fire questions at these individual lawyers. It gives them a chance to not just practice their presentations, but to expose weaknesses in their presentations so that they can fix things ahead of time. There's an, there's a, an adage that says the tougher the moot court, the easier the actual thing. So there will be uh, the kinds of individuals that organizers of moot courts try to get are, are folks, you know, men and women with several arguments, dozens of arguments under their belt. They often turn to former members of the U.S. Solicitor General's Office, which represents the federal government at the court and argues often. They turn to former law clerks. As I said, they turn to a host of repeat practitioners. And many of those moot judges, pretend justices, take on the tendencies of the justices themselves. You know, everyone who has followed the court for a while knows that uh, Justices Elena Kagan on the left and Samuel Alito on the right can throw these wild hypotheticals will th mm -hmm. that will target the real weaknesses of a case. And then you also have to keep your eye on Chief Justice John Roberts at the Ideological Center with Justices Amy Coney Barrett and Brett Kavanaugh. Those are the ones to try to win over, Sarah. The moot court is so, so, so important because for attorneys, this is like preparing for the Super Bowl. I mean, if you, if you want to make, right? I mean, going in front of these judges is extremely rare and huge, especially in these, in these cases. You are looking at some of the most exciting times for the Supreme Court as a reporter. This has to be incredible for you to watch all of this happening. I can't wait to hear what it's like in there. And I will be right there in the courtroom, Sarah, watching both of these men. All right, Joan Biscoopic, <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you.